Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries podcast with me, your host, John. Okay, so today I'm going to be looking at another Lamentations of the Flame Princess module that I was kindly sent as a review copy, and this is Green Messiah. Now, as with all reviews, it's kind of hard to review a book without going into spoilers, so consider this your spoiler warning. So, with that out of the way, let's crack on and see what this module's about. Well, in essence, this adventure focuses around Robert, a child, in inverted commas, who is actually a sort of vegetable creature or invader, you might say, who is intent on replacing the people of the nearby village or town called Littleworth with these sort of replicants, which in a sort of a body snatchers style they're like pod people you know sort of strange like vegetable people that are grown that can replicate roughly the behaviors of people but there's something off about them the book is beautifully presented in a striking white and green coloration on the covers it's hardback keeps up the standard of the excellence that i've come to expect from lamentations of the flame princess in terms of production it's just under 50 pages long the paper's nice and thick the text is nice and legible and not of too tiny a size on the inside cover we have a map of the town of littleworth and it's just a very simple sort of sketch map but it has numbered locations on it and on the facing page you get sort of a little write-up of these uh, locations, so like the clock farm, the clock fields, the great tree, stuff like that. And obviously the rest of the adventure goes into more detail. We, of course, have a table of contents, and we have a, a sort of what-is-this-book-about section where we're told that it's set in Sussex in 1630, and in 1624 an alien spacecraft from a dying planet crashed just outside the town of Littleworth. Inside the craft was an alien child that was adopted and raised by a local couple. So I'm getting that sort of green children legendary vibe going here. We have some suggestions on how to get the players involved in the adventure, and then we move straight on to a description of the principal antagonist of the game, Robert, Vegetable Vanquisher of Worlds, the Green Messiah. And we're told that from a distance he looks pretty much like a normal sort of youth, but up close he's far from normal and it betrays signs of his vegetable origin. His skin has a greenish tinge, slightly pointed ears, hair's more like moss, and he has a sort of strange, like, mulchy scent. Given that he was raised by humans, he's a little bit odd. He sort of understands the basics of human behaviour, if not the rationale behind it. But he's got no real affinity with it. He's sort of detached and aloof and sees himself as superior to these strange sort of mammalian creatures that have raised him. In particular, the love that his adopted parents show him seems to confuse the vegetable messiah himself. So we're told straight away out of the gate what he wants he's been engineered to conquer worlds and restore a space plant empire and that's what he's going to do we get some details on his powers like shooting thorns uh, being immune to harm when he's in contact with the bare ground so getting plants to do his bidding that sort of thing and we're told that as long as he's in contact with the top of the great tree he can manifest through any radicinoid which are these sort of 
vegetable doppelgangers so changing them to resemble himself and to take them over so basically if the tree's okay and these ridicinoids are about you can't really kill him because he'll just reincarnate or regenerate in another body the next double page spread gives us a little bit of detail on these radicinoids. They're essentially bioweapons designed for invasion. They're ambulatory tubers that bud off the roots of the great tree. And they've got the ability to take on the appearance and memories of living creatures. All with the aim of eventually taking over civilization. We get a, a little strange picture of this weird sort of root creature and some details on both how to play them and what abilities they have. We get some details on a strange cult that is active in the town. Again, hardly a new thing for D&D, especially Lamentations games. A strange non-conformist cult of... I suppose pacifists led by a charismatic leader. And we then move on to the men in black of the Royal Horticultural Society. And these are effectively representatives of the RHS who have been sort of assigned to find out what's going on in the town. And they occupy the standard sort of niche that MIBs would occupy in a normal sort of alien invasion story in the modern day and we're told that they are in fact agents of john d's secret occult police and yeah okay the author says yeah we know john d died before this is set but you know we'll fudge it for the sake of a good story which fair enough and we get some stats for them we get some details on a pack of bandits operating in the area and again another map of little worth with some details provided it's your fairly standard sort of town with a smattering of buildings a few sort of roads and trails moving between them the main feature is the crater from where the ship first came down and obviously this grove with this great tree at the center we're told as an interesting little aside that there are no dogs in Littleworth because dogs can tell who's been replaced by a radicinoid so the plant people have basically got rid of them all and also there's a player version of this map later on in the book without all the notes on so that you can give them that. The next double page spread talks about the clock form. The clocks, obvious reference to Superman there, which is listed as inspiration in the back of the book. The clocks are the, the sort of middle-aged couple who discovered Robert and raised him. They're some of the few people who have not been replaced since there pretty loyal to their adopted son anyway so he's not really seen any reason to replace them they have the remains of the ship nearby and they're also adjacent to the grove from where this huge tree has sprouted they don't really have any special abilities and in fact they don't really like these radicinoids they find them a bit creepy but the creatures don't harm them and they don't want to upset their son who seems to be linked with them so they sort of go along with it for the meantime we get some details on the grove and how the strange emanations or magic from the ship have affected it. There's a strange little sort of, I suppose, maze-like map of the, the grove leading to the great tree in the centre. And then we get a double-page spread showing a picture of that and a little write-up. 
it's a species not native to Sussex, and in fact, not even native to this planet. Anyone casting speak with plants or anything similar finds themselves in contact with a strange alien being barely aware of the tiny creatures that scurry around its feet. And we're advised, you know, maybe a bit sort of tree beard inspiration there. We're told if the great tree is killed somehow, it will eventually fall, which could be incredibly messy, given that it's humongous. It's about 400 feet tall and 50 foot wide at the base. We're told to imagine a clock face, roll a d12 to determine what direction it falls in, and then anything within the sort of area where it falls is crushed. The roots of the great tree have burrowed into the earth, creating a number of crevices, recesses, and caves which we get a sort of dungeon map of. the strange mutated creatures in there, twisted by the energies of the ship. Redicinoids, unfortunate people who have been dragged down there, including the bodies of those who've been replaced by the redicinoids. We get some details on the actual trunk of the tree and how you can potentially climb it, somewhat of an adventure in itself, and ways in which you can try and destroy it and the various hazards you might face. We also get some details on the top of the tree where Robert is dwelling, his sort of seat of power, if you will. And there's a nice picture of Robert done in the same cartoony style as the rest of the artwork. Again, we get a brief description of his powers and his goals and how you can play him as a GM, which is very handy. We then move on to a double page spread, which tells us what happens if Robert is stopped? We're told if he's killed or otherwise defeated and separated from the tree, not a great deal changes. The growth remains weird. The peculiar crops continue to grow. The great tree stands above it all. The radicinoids go into an autopilot mode and they just carry on doing what they'd expect the sort of humans they're replicated from to do. And the place becomes just a normal town, if somewhat strange. The strange cult, who sort of see Robert as something of a messiah, are bereft and they attempt to sort of recapture that energy that they've lost and this may even take the form of them trying to attack the player characters if they know the player characters were directly involved in robert's demise of slightly more potential interest uh, well certainly world chattering interest which seems to be a bit of a theme in these lamentations modules is what happens if robert's not stopped and well if he's not stopped his planned empire spreads outward from littleworth as the radicinoids take over more and more areas once they start taking over more influential people their invasion progresses in leaps and bounds at some point they may even influence royalty and the government of the country itself we're told that other sort of isolated places might hold out a bit longer but inevitably the whole world is conquered no longer is there any conflict or strife lush unnatural vegetation blankets a quiet planet freed from the tyranny of sapient animals truly Robert is the green messiah. Next we get details of the weird fruits that grow in the area around Littleworth and these are once normal plants that have been affected by the strange radiation from the ships and these range from a sour vegetable that causes a fizzy but pleasant sensation on the tongue then turns your brain into soup a sweet juicy vegetable that causes you to make direct mental contact across the gulf of space with one of robert's species to a bitter crunchy fafaginous vegetable regenerating as fast as it's digested meaning you don't have to eat anything for the next 1d6 weeks but you're also crippled with stomach pains and there's some really cool little pictures of these strange vegetables numbering 20 and all so you can handily just roll a d20 to determine randomly what people find 
inevitably you're going to get someone at some point who wants to play the redisinoid that's duplicated their player character thoughtfully the author has provided some advice in here and then we get a page of inspiration from where the ideas came. And these are like Brightburn, The Colour Out Space, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Swamp Thing, Totoro, stuff like that. Uh, we get a list of random names. And lastly, an appendix featuring all of the NPC stats in the module, followed by this player map of the town of Littleworth. Okay, so what do I think of the book? Well, as I said earlier, it maintains the very high standards of physical production I've come to expect from Lamentations of the Flame Princess products. The artwork is very visually striking. It's done in a sort of semi-cartoon style, which I think suits the, the slightly sort of wackier tone of this book. And that's not to say that it's a, a sort of a laugh-riot joke fest without any sinister undertones. I mean, we're literally talking about a module where people are getting killed and replaced by replicants as part of an effort to take over the world. So it's fairly sinister. However, it's presented with a sort of fairy tale nod. But after all, we're dealing with this strange plant creature, Robert, a giant tree, almost beanstalk-like, growing out of this grove, and these strange, brightly coloured fruits. Now, I think this could have potentially been quite jarring, the, the mishmash between the, the sort of sinister aim of the antagonist and the slightly sort of whimsical slash fairy tale tone of the book. But I think the author does an actually brilliant job of bringing that together. I very much enjoyed reading it. And as I say, like a lot of Lamentations of the Flame Princess modules, there are potentially far-reaching consequences for your campaign if, you know, you don't stop Robert and these replicants, these redisinoids start spreading out from the town. And that does seem to be a bit of a thing with Lamentations modules. They all have sort of quite world-shaking effects, or at least the ones I've read recently. And some GMs may not like that or think it makes it difficult to drop these adventures into a game or an ongoing campaign setting if you don't want to shake up your campaign world like that which personally I don't have a problem with. But if you don't, there are numerous ways that you could easily drop this in and not have the effects be so wide-reaching. We've got the RHS MIBs who could establish a cordon around the town. They could do a sort of scorched earth policy. Perhaps there is something in the soil in the town that makes it uniquely uh, great for Robert's great tree and then outside of that they struggle a little bit more. There's numerous ways an inventive GM could make the effects of this module as expansive or as confined as they want. And I think there's some really interesting questions posed here about you know just how evil is this creature because as described in the book if they succeed, they sort of bring peace and harmony to your campaign world, albeit at a terrible and murderous cost. So I think if you want it to, it does ask some potential questions related to morality. Now, you don't have to sort of deal with that or lean into that heavily. You could just play it as a fun adventure. But I think it's nice that if you want it, there is this extra element that you can sort of lean into. At the time of recording, you can get hold of a PDF copy of Green Messiah from DriveThruRPG for £7.41 in British money, which is about $10 US, again, at time of recording. 
or you can get hold of a physical copy from the Lamentations of the Flame Princess web store. And from there, you get a print and PDF copy for €27.50, which is just over $30 US dollars or just over £20 in British money. If you're interested, again, in another sort of body snatchers uh, adventure, which has potential far-reaching effect on your campaign world, or maybe you're looking for something to challenge that druid in your D&D party, I highly recommend you give this a look. So that's it for now. If you've got anything you'd like to say to us, maybe featured in a future episode, then you can get in touch with us a few different ways. You can drop us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail on SpeakPipe or Anchor, and there'll be links for all of that in the description of this episode. So until we see you again, take care, stay safe, and whatever you're playing, have fun.